Hi, TYB on the run. Welcome to the book of Galatians. TYB on the run is about getting your Bible blast no matter where you are, no matter how busy you are. We want the word of God as your solid foundation. So I'm going to read Galatians 1 over you. Galatians 1.1, Paul, an apostle, sent not from men nor by a man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers and sisters with me. To the churches in Galatia, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. As we've already said, so now I say again, If anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I was still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preached is not of human origin. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But when God, who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles, my immediate response was not to consult any human being. I did not go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was, but I went into Arabia. Later, I returned to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Cephas and stayed with him 15 days. I saw none of the other apostles, only James, the Lord's brother. I assure assure you before God that what I'm writing to you is no lie. Then I went to Syria and Cilicia. I was personally unknown to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only heard the report, the man who formerly persecuted us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy, and they praised God because of me. Oh, my goodness. I genuinely tried to be cranky, TYB, on the run, but I found it quite hard because I so love this book, Um, and I was smiling as I was reading it. But Paul is cranky in this letter. The person who was reading this letter to them on behalf of Paul's on behalf of Paul, would have had to get that sense of crankiness. How do I know he's cranky? First thing, in the beginning, he says, Paul, an apostle, and then it says, sent not from men nor by a man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead. And then it's almost like a bracket section. And then he talks about, and all the brothers and sisters here with me send you greetings, basically. So there's this bracket section where Paul addresses immediately from the get-go what is going on? And he's saying, I'm going to refute you from the beginning. I am not sent by man nor by men. I am sent by a revelation of Jesus Christ and by Jesus Christ himself and God the Father. So from the beginning, you can hear this stance of, 
I need to tell you that whoever out there is telling you that I am just sent by men, I am not. And he says, basically, this understanding of don't think that I've just come with a message um, from everybody else. Don't just don't think that I've come from the message on behalf of the apostles. This message is from Jesus Christ and God the Father. Listen is basically what he's saying. Then he says. Um, to the churches in Galatia. Did you notice that? It's not one church. Most of the books we get, you know, to the church in Rome, Ephesus, we have one one church or one person, Titus, Timothy. But this is definitely churches in Galatia. So he's writing to a region, almost like saying for us in Australia, New South Wales. He's saying it's like a state. And he's saying to this group of churches, I've heard that you have lost the gospel and I am furious. And th- then he says this, in a first century letter, we know in a first century letter, it'll be who wrote it, Paul, a quick, you know, hello from Fred and Timothy or, you know, not Fred because he's never there, but Timothy and Titus or somebody else, a quick CV maybe, like in Romans, he kind of expands a little bit on what he's about to do, who he's writing it to, so the church in Rome or, you know, to Timothy or anything like to my dear son, grace and peace, and then a Thank God for you. I, I always thank God for you as I'm praying for you and this beautiful thanksgiving at the end. But in Galatians, there is no thanksgiving. Why? Because he's furious. And the first century church, that the churches that listened to this would have been like, oh, my gosh, there was no thanksgiving. We know that this is Paul cranky. And he says this, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. He is cranky that even so close to the cross, we are probably only maybe 17 years from the cross. He's saying, how are we so close to the cross of Jesus and you have stopped looking at that cross as your source of strength and you are adding to the gospel. Now he's going to unpackage this in Galatians and we're going to go through this as we study Galatians in each of the chapters. He says, you have turned to a different gospel, which is no gospel at all. What does that mean? It's not good news. Gospel, ulegelion, means good news. He's saying you have turned to something which is not good news. <laughs> it's actually no gospel at all. He's saying what you have turned to is adding, and we're going to hear this in the in the letter of Galatians, you are adding slavery to people that are already free. What he's saying is this, they have turned. Now, this makes me nervous, to be honest, because as I read this, I realize that I could actually preach a different gospel. I could actually preach a gospel that is not gospel at all. And as a teacher and a preacher of the word of God, and isn't as a Christian, I want to know what the gospel is. I want to read the rest of Galatians because I want to make sure I'm teaching and preaching and telling people the right gospel. Now, how do I know? He says, evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion. So what's happening at this time? Is This is very early. This is probably Paul's first letter. Now, some people debate that, some scholars debate that, but I think this is Paul's first letter. It's an early letter about, you know, maybe 45, even even more, maybe 40, 47 AD. It's early, maybe 47 to 50 AD. It's very early because we're still developing what does a Christian look like? It's going to address how, how do you become a Christian and how do you stay a Christian, basically. And in the church, we're, we're still trying to work out separation from Judaism. Are there components of Judaism that need to come into Christianity in relation to salvation? How are we the people of God? How is the gospel, the good news of salvation, how does that outwork? Do we need circumcision? Do we need to be um, following food festivals? Do we need to be doing sacrifices? And we're very early in the development of the doctrine. So Paul is really just sort of saying, 
I've heard about the development of the doctrine and I've heard that, you know, we can read it in the book of James, that James believes that your works and the law is very much wrapped up in your salvation. And this is kind of Paul's response. He's saying, I disagree that salvation is has anything to do with your works or any other condition other than by grace and faith in Jesus Christ alone. He this letter is the pinnacle letter of the doctrine of salvation. Why? Because if this if Paul didn't fight for this, we would be looking very Jewish today. We would have added conditions, births maybe being born a Jew, maybe salvation having conditions on it like you'd have to be included in the people of God, circumcision, law, festivals, all of these conditions. And without the letter of Galatians, Christianity would not look like Christianity today. So as we study this letter, you should be so grateful that Paul gets so cranky and he's saying, stick to the gospel message because you can preach something that's not. Let's apply that to today. Let's apply that to uh, maybe salvation in today. I can say that you are saved by grace through faith in Jesus um, Christ alone. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. And that, that is the salvation process. But even human tradition can come on salvation today. For example, I look at somebody that haven't been to church for a couple of months and I say, wow, I'm not sure if they're saved because they haven't been to church for a couple of months. No, because their salvation is not based on their church attendance. That's human tradition. There's some things that we've added to the salvation process even today that is purely human tradition. You are saved and the pure gospel message is that you are saved by grace and you can have your strong security in your salvation without the works of the law being added to it. Now, let's keep going. He says, as I said, evidently some people are throwing you into confusion, so we know that there is this, there's these two sides to this gospel. Some are saying one side, some are saying the other, and he's going to unpackage it. We find out later that Peter is actually on the other side, so we've got to really wrestle, and James is on the other side, so we've got to really wrestle with who's on what team in Galatians, and we're going to have a look at that. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel, he gets really cranky here. Did you hear it? Because he repeats it. Now, to repeat it, would cost a fortune in this letter. It's not like me just repeating, typing again. He repeats it because he's so passionate about it. The other thing is in your Bible, there's an exclamation mark after let them be under God's curse, meaning I am shouting this declaration over you that if you add anything, I don't care if an angel tells you to add that to it. I don't care if you hear preaching on it, you cannot add to the gospel. And if you do, let it be under God's curse. This incredible passion of Paul is coming out and you can hear it. He says, now, am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? He's basically saying, now, am I trying to win the approval of human beings? Throughout this text, he is arguing that his revelation of the gospel has come from Jesus Christ alone, which is quite amazing when you think about theology today. Most of our theology is that our revelation Personal prophetic revelation is not necessarily doctrine. But we've got to remember in this text, this is Paul and this is developing the doctrine. So he can say, guys, I didn't get taught this. This was a revelation of Jesus and this revelation of Jesus, because it's Paul, because it's early church and because it's the development of the doctrine, this becomes how we think as Christians today. Quite amazing. Now, it says, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preach is not of human origin. He keeps reiterating it. That's four four times he said that. 
I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. This is Paul's revelation, and I love it. Then he does this quick, amazing moment where he explains where he's been all these times. Because you've got to remember, this is the first letter from Paul. They have heard about Paul. They've heard about this you know, Saul of Tarsus that got saved and they've heard all about it, but then he disappears for three years. And maybe they didn't hear what was happening in these three years when he's in Arabia. And then he disappears for 14 years. Um, and he actually explains a little bit of what happened from when he got saved on the road to, Dam- of, to, to Damascus to now. And he gives us this quick update, which I love because can I say, and I would love to know what happened. Saul of Tarsus on the road to Damascus, has this revelation, blinded by this revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ, then gets saved and Ananias comes and prays for him. His eyes get opened and then where does he go? And this is where he updates us and I love this moment. He says, "Um, you've heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. Oh, my gosh, can I just say there is nobody uh, separate or um, exempt from salvation. If Saul, the guy who was called to persecute the Christians in the in the early development of the church, the, the guy who was called to actually stop Christianity as we know it, he was sent to put this Messiah myth of Jesus Christ to death, basically. He was sent to go and, and put those guys in prison because they were causing so much ruckus to stop Christianity. And he actually becomes the very voice and messenger of Christianity. I love how God turns this around. No family member of yours, no no nephew, no niece, no no sister, no brother, no no one is exempt from salvation. And this this encourages my heart when when he says this. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my father. He was saying, man, if you, he says it in another text, he says, I was the Hebrew of Hebrews. He's basically saying, if you want Judaism at the pinnacle, you're talking to the right guy. And then when you think about this, guys, think about this TYB. He's refuting the additions of Judaism to the gospel. And why is he saying this? He's saying, guys, I am not unqualified to tell you that Judaism has nothing to do with the gospel. I was so zealous in my Judaism that I was persecuting these Christians. I was on your side. I was persecuting these Christians. And then I realized that what is the true gospel? So he's kind of putting more emphasis to his revelation of the gospel. He says, but when God, oh my goodness, I love this moment. God can turn any, any life around. But when God, who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by his grace, he's saying, I'm going to give you my salvation story to make you realize that I wasn't saved by works. I I was Jewish. I I was, you know, this advancing in Judaism and that did not save me. Paul is doing his CV and showing us that salvation doesn't come by Jewish circumcision, laws, everything, because he did that so well and he wasn't saved until God encountered him and he was saved. And, And listen to his language. He says, he set me apart from my mother's womb. In other words, my past was already in God's mind. And he says, and he called me by his grace. And then it says, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles. My immediate response was not to consult any human being. He's saying my salvation was so amazing and so God inspired and was so pinnacle that I didn't feel to go to a human being. I actually, and then he tells us, 
I did not go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was, but I went to Arabia. Now, we don't get to know what happened in Arabia. Oh, I wish. I cannot wait to get to heaven and chat to Paul and say, what happened in Arabia? But you can kind of take this this fictional, you know, license and say, you can imagine that God would have had to renew his mind. He would have had these beautiful encounters of revelation from Saul of Tarsus having this revelation of salvation, becoming then this preacher. In Arabia, it was this life-transforming three years where Jesus Christ renewed his mind and gave him the revelation of how do people become saved or get saved? How do they become the people of God? And this revelation is what he is sharing to us in Galatians. This is the first letter that we get to read or to hear when Paul's out of this circumstance and we get to hear what happens. Then he says, Later I returned to Damascus. So he went from Damascus to Arabia for three years and then back to Damascus. Then he says, then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Cephas and stayed with him 15 days. I saw none of the other apostles, only James, the Lord's brother. He said, then I decided to go and have a chat. Now, what is Jerusalem? Why this Jerusalem? Jerusalem at this stage um, in Acts, remember in Acts, they all were in Jerusalem Jesus died in Jerusalem, rose again in Jerusalem, resurrected in Jerusalem. Acts 2 account of of the birthing of the church is in Jerusalem. Now, Jerusalem kind of becomes the headquarters of Christianity, basically. And we have Acts 1 to 7 where they're in Jerusalem. They're this beautiful fellowship of the the church in Jerusalem. And that really was where the church was birthed. It's the headquarters. Even though in Acts 2 we have so many Christians, 3,000 Christians saved, and they would have gone back to their hometown. They still felt that this Jerusalem church was the essence of, of the headquarters, as I said. Now, James, Peter is the in charge of the Jerusalem church, and then James, the Lord's brother, Jesus' brother, takes over the church at that stage. And it's a very Jewish church. It's a very Jewish understanding of the church. It's it's kind of not quite separated from synagogue as we as we develop in the New Testament. So you've got this very Jewish understanding of, of Christ as Messiah fitting into this Judaistic nature. And he says, okay, so I went up after three years in Damascus. I went up, uh, sorry, then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Peter. I thought, you know what? I might as well go and meet these guys. So he meets Cephas, which is which is Peter, stays with him 15 days, didn't see any of the other apostles, sees James, the Lord's brother, who is who is one of the head head guys of the church at this stage, has a chat to him. And he says, I assure you before God that what I'm writing is no lie. He says, Then I went to Syria and Cilicia. I was personally unknown to the churches of that time. They had only heard the report. So he's preaching around you know in arabia he's he's sharing his revelation of this salvation message that jesus christ can save by grace and this beautiful salvation message that he has encountered himself we're going to learn in galatians where he says the law and everything that i was doing prior to salvation didn't help me it did, I, I was zealous for god and that zealous Law, circumcision, festivals, all of that did not save me. It wasn't until I encountered Christ that I was truly saved. And this revelation of his own salvation process starts this revolution of how is a Christian a Christian. And he says, so he's preaching around, imagine the churches at this time, TYB. Imagine if you would be bold enough to get Paul to preach 
at this time because you, you the way you know Paul is he's the one that's persecuting you. If Paul said, hey, guys, I want to come and preach in your church, you would think it was a trap. You would have to be so secure in the fact that he had a transforming moment on the road to Damascus in Arabia in these moments where he's where he's going through this salvation, you would have to be so secure in the salvation process that you would one, let him in his church, in your church and two, let him preach to your people. Oh my goodness. You'd have to be so, oh my, imagine that moment of, is he tricking me or is he going to preach to me? And he says, the man who formerly persecuted us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. The rumor is out. Saul of Tarsus is now preaching the gospel and has swapped teams and rather than and be on these Judaistic side where they're persecuting the Christians, he is now a Christian preaching Christ. What an amazing first chapter, guys. Oh, my goodness, I have to stop because we're at 20 minutes, but I cannot wait to delve into this gospel message that is this beautiful revelation that Paul had in his own salvation process that Christ can save anybody by grace. There is no works included in this, and he's going to unpackage that in in Galatians. So I cannot wait to continue to read this with you.